Chapter 60 Reckless He's coming, Nick said. Your time is up. Speaking of which, Nix had been out of her body for over five minutes now. Or had she? In McGuckin's office, she'd been scared. It had taken a few moments to work up the courage, plus the time it took to actually leave her body. Maybe she still had 30 seconds. But even if she stayed, what could she possibly do to help Jordan now? Either he'd get the notepad, or he wouldn't. Why didn't he have it yet? His whole head and shoulders had disappeared into the locker as he rummaged through the clothes. How hard could it be? Just grab everything and make a break for it, Nix yelled at him. He'll be here any second. I think we've still got a little time, Jordan whispered from inside the locker. A dingy white sock fell out onto the ground. What are you talking about? Why? Who took my towel? If you freaks think this is funny. A towel sat on the floor next to Jordan. What are you doing? Nick shouted. You think taking his towel is going to keep him from coming out? I doubt Eric is the bashful type. And where's my... Eric's voice trailed off. Then he said a few things that hurt Nix's ears. What are you doing? A new voice asked. Jordan smacked his head on the ceiling of the locker. Mr. Turtletab had emerged from his cubicle. Stay in there, Nick said to Jordan. The gym teacher strode toward the lockers. I gave you a towel. If you think you're gonna get out of... A strange ripping sound echoed in the shower area. What the... Turtletab switched direction and headed toward Eric. Go! Nick shouted. Turtletab nearly ran into Eric, who had wrapped a shower curtain around himself, and was in the process of storming into the locker room. Turtletab didn't appear pleased with Eric's ingenuity, and immediately started shouting about property damage. Eric pointed at his locker and screamed something unintelligible, but otherwise, the room was empty. A half-second before, Jordan had slipped out of the room, carrying what looked like a sock containing something vaguely square-shaped. Eric found his locker closed and padlocked, but the key and his towel were nowhere to be seen. Jordan had probably thrown both of them into the locker before closing it, to buy himself time, certainly, but also because Jordan was Jordan. Eric kicked a chair across the room. From the look on his face, Nix thought it a very good thing he hadn't entered two seconds earlier. Speaking of which, the next instant Nix stood over her body. She could hardly believe it. She was the only one in the room. Where had everyone gone? She'd actually expected to see herself sprawled out on the floor, enduring CPR. Nix shivered. The image of McGuckin trying to resuscitate her was one she'd as soon forget. But even that would be preferable to a demon taking her body for a murdering spree. With the usual stab of just kill me and get it over with pain, Nix re-entered herself. Now she really did fall out of her desk. The office door opened. I'm sorry, Vice Principal, I- Relax, it's me. Jordan was red-faced from running, and he sported a huge metallic grin. Where's McGuckin? he asked. Good question. How about you help me out of here before he comes back? He lifted her into a sitting position. You were awesome. You were the one who did everything. Just following your instructions. Nick scoffed and almost fell backward again. Her head felt unusually light. Pins and needles pricked her as the blood sluggishly returned feeling to her limbs. Even after a few moments, her fingers and toes still felt like ice. I don't think I'll be doing this multiple times a day anymore, Nick said. I feel like someone beat me with a shovel. I wouldn't put it past McGuckin. Oh, that reminds me. Jordan opened his backpack and produced a strip of beef jerky. I've been carrying this around since last week. Wanted to see if it helped. 
Nix didn't have any idea what he was talking about, but she certainly recognized food. The second Jordan took off the plastic, Nix crammed it all into her mouth at once. You didn't have lunch? I did, Nix said through a mouthful of jerky. Guess being dead makes me hungry. She chewed and swallowed. Warmth gradually thawed her fingers. After a moment, she stopped wobbling. It took three tries and an imaginary back rub from Jordan, but Nix got to her feet. Happily, her legs didn't feel like they were about to buckle as they had in the faculty bathroom. What was in that jerky? Mostly dead cow. You know what I mean. I feel better. It's not magic jerky, if that's what you're wondering. I just thought eating might give you a little pick-me-up. Your beautiful brain saves the day again. Jordan held the door open for her. I actually can't take credit for this one. It was Jesus's idea. Nick slowed her hobble. Sorry, what? In the Bible, Jesus brought a chick back from the dead, then told her family to get the girl some grub. Nice. You should think about becoming a pastor. You could dress up like Colonel Sanders and throw food at people. What are you doing out here, whack? Nix jumped and looked up to McGuckin's glistening lips. I- the bell rang. I didn't know where you'd gone. I told you I had some business in the gym and that no one was to leave until I returned. So that's where McGuckin had gone, to check on Eric. Had they opened his locker yet? Sorry, Nick said. The others left, so I thought, Sounds like all three of you will be spending lunch detention with me on Monday. If you don't have your ten-page cheating essay finished by then, it will be twenty. He sniffed, then gave Jordan a dirty look, as if trying to think of some reason to include him in the punishment. Finally, he prowled away, muttering something about bolt cutters. You are one lucky corpse, Jordan whispered. Lucky I don't have brain damage, Nix hissed back. I was out the full five. Reduced motor function is a small price to pay to break up the Woods Cross drug ring. You'll change your tune when you're the one spoon-feeding me. Still have baby food in your locker? Nix slugged him. Outside, the scent of chimney smoke and trees encompassed Nix. It was nice to have all five senses back. She was really starting to warm up to her body. She'd hated it for so long, it felt like they might need couples therapy. Jordan rubbed his shoulder. That hurt. It's your own fault for giving me the jerky. Should have kept me weak and helpless. Before heading to the auditorium, Nix made a hygiene stop at the girls' showers. After washing herself raw, she took a bar of soap to her soiled clothes. She dried them as best she could. Even if they weren't clean in the strictest sense of the word, they at least smelled a lot less you de clogged toilet. Her head wrapping hadn't gotten too discolored, perhaps because it was partially protected by her hair but Nix was pretty sure having poopy bandages kind of defeated the whole purpose. Although she was technically supposed to cover her skin grafts for another two weeks, Nix was fed up with the face padding. Yeah, her missing ear was grotesque, but it was also kind of cool. Anyway, her thick hair covered the worst of it. Besides a little scarring and funny texture along the side of her face, she was back to her old, awkward self. When Nix finally got to rehearsal ten minutes late, she wasn't surprised to find the cast milling around, directorless. Why are you wet? Fawn asked loudly. Never mind, I don't think I want to know. From her entourage's disproportionate laughter, it was clear they'd been briefed on the faculty bathroom incident. Nix, Tiago said. Nice to see your face again. Nix tripped over someone's bag and nearly belly-flopped onto the cement steps. I'm okay, she said, grateful for the dim lighting. Stupid Tiago saying impossibly sweet things without warning. To cover her mortification, Nick sent Beryl out to find the missing art teacher. Then she recruited the piranhas to organize the rehearsal circuit. 
By now, most of the students had their lines down, and the singing was actually starting to sound like something resembling music. I had saved you a piece of pie, Jordan said, but Tiagogo sat on it. Imagine, Tiago said. Me, not thinking to check my chair for pie. Jordan spun Tiago and bent him over so that Nix could see the blue butt stains. The heat reached Nix's face in record time. Of course, Jordan also had to make it doubly awkward by wiggling his eyebrows at Nix, as if he were doing her a huge favor. Not all teenagers were obsessed with ogling butts. Nix would have immediately looked away in disgust, but she hated to make Jordan feel bad. What with him going to all that trouble to display Tiago's soiled jeans? I'm sure it's still edible, Jordan said. Okay, that was too far. Nix prepared to resort to violence when Fawn spoke up. Looks like another bust, she said loudly, as if addressing the room in general. Who's up for sushi? My treat. Although she was really only talking to her little fan club, several nearby freshmen looked longingly in her direction. Don't let her fool you, Nix wanted to call out. Belonging to Fawn's fake glitter world wouldn't bring happiness any more than seducing Tiago would. Maybe that was a bad example. Jordan stepped into Nix's personal bubble. We look at this together. He pulled the top inch of Eric's notepad out of his pocket. I've already memorized the first few pages, but it can wait, Nick said. We have less than three months before opening night. We can't lose momentum now. Jordan trudged to his assigned station, but not before shooting Nick's a you're interfering with police business look. When Beryl returned, Nix told the cast to take a quick breather. Although she already knew the answer, Nix asked, You find the director? Beryl shook her head like a dog shaking off water. Her sunglasses slipped, but she slapped a hand over them. I did find something else. Jordan appeared at Nix's side. I was thinking, he whispered, when Patterson figures out his notebook was stolen, he might warn his buyers. We should probably cut practice a little early to get it into the hot little hands of the police. Beryl thrust a fistful of soggy footprint-covered papers toward Nix. I found it in the hall by Mrs. Finkbone's room. It's got your name on it. Then she made a sound that sounded halfway between a yodel and a mariachi shout. Jordan looked concerned, as if trying to determine which side of the head Beryl was dropped on as a baby. Nix didn't bother to take the packet from Beryl. She knew what it was. Before it had been soaked in toilet water and trampled by a hundred people, it had been her Algebra Unit 2 workbook. Now, it was garbage. Garbage she didn't plan to touch again. She took a step back. You can toss it, and if you knew why it's wet, you would have left it where you found it. Beryl stuck out her tongue. The papers hit the concrete stairs with a soft squelch. Beryl seemed to think she'd done something enormously funny and giggled all the way back to the music station. Jordan opened his mouth, but Nix beat him to it. You're probably right. Have Tiago call his brother to take you home right now. You should get the notebook to your dad. I'm not sure I should be the one to hand it over. My dad and the rest of the police would ask where we got it. They're not going to buy that we happened to come across it in the hallway. If they ever did find out, from Eric's lawyer, for example, that I'd blatantly stolen his notebook, the judge probably wouldn't even allow it as evidence. So basically today was a waste of your time and my brain cells? Take a breath, Nixie. You worry about saving the musical. I'll take care of everything else. He waved Tiago over. But you're still going to tell your dad that Eric broke into the mansion, right? Of course. I'll just time it so it doesn't seem suspicious with the anonymous package that shows up at the police station. What's this about a police station? Tiago strolled up the aisle toward them. I found something important my dad needs, Jordan said. 
Do you think your brother can pick you up early and run you downtown? I need you to make an anonymous drop-off. Jordan was halfway through a very expurgated version of the locker room heist when Tiago caught sight of the soiled algebra packet and bent down to pick it up. Don't, Nick said, but it was too late. Jordan smirked. You might want to wash your... He stopped mid-sentence, grabbed the packet out of Tiago's hands, and brought it to his face. No way. Jordan tilted the papers toward the light. He's here. Nix hoped her face made it clear she didn't condone reckless handling of toilet germs. Who is here? Jordan traced a dirty mark on the back of the packet. Look at this footprint. See where that piece is missing? Nix saw the section he was talking about. A wedge of the heel was missing from the print. And? Jordan held out a hand to Tiago. Foam. Tiago relinquished his device. Nix was pleased to see his pretty face looked as confused as she was. After a few moments of furious clicking, Jordan grinned. I knew it! They gathered around the phone. The smell of Tiago's hair was almost enough to make Nix forget what country she was in. But then she saw the image on the phone, and it jerked her out of her Tiago-induced euphoria. She recognized the photo. A muddy footprint next to a pool. But this time she noticed the wedge missing from the heel. Her arm hair prickled. We didn't notice before, Jordan said. It looks like an imperfection in the footprint, but it must be a part of the shoe that's worn down or missing. Tiago's face went slack. You mean the insane guy that jumped off the roof? Nix's erect arm hair started a synchronized swimming routine. So either the shoe company makes all their size nines with a portion of the left heel missing, or Sarah's stalker was just in the east building. He's here. They all turned to see Sarah standing a few feet away. Naturally, she'd followed Tiago over. Good gravy, give the boy some space. At least she didn't appear to be in the flirting mood. It was someone from school that murdered Princess? Not necessarily, Jordan said. It could be that your stalker is getting desperate enough to corner you between classes. Maybe he's waiting for rehearsal to get out. Nick slightly backhanded Jordan in the chest. We don't even know if this is the same footprint. Sarah took the stairs three at a time. Where are you going? Nix yelled. Jordan shook his head. Isn't it obvious? She's going to the East Building to avenge her dumb dog. Tiago scowled at Jordan, no doubt for besmirching Princess's memory. The three of them followed Sarah up the stairs, calling for her to come back, but in the end, it didn't matter. The East Building was empty. No men wearing pillowcases jumped out and abducted any of them. Nick's debated calling off rehearsal, but decided keeping everyone together was safer than sending Sarah home to an empty house. Besides, Mr. Coons was there. He'd recently taken to sitting on the back row with a newspaper. Even on the days Mrs. Finkbone showed up, Mr. Coons stayed to watch. Jordan thought it was to gawk at the upperclassmen girls. Nick's thought it more likely the security guard janitor didn't have a lot to do after school and enjoyed the atmosphere. Regardless of Mr. Coons's reasons, his presence would be an inconvenience to aspiring kidnappers. Even if the janitor looked like a 70-year-old hillbilly, he seemed spry enough to tackle someone. So rehearsal continued. Halfway through, Leo picked up Tiago and the notepad. Yet Nix could think of little else but the grubby footprint on her packet. It didn't seem likely that someone from the outside could sneak into the school unseen. That meant the person who broke into Sarah's house was a regular at Woods Cross High either a teacher or a student. It couldn't have been Eric, could it? He seemed too tall. Of course, it had been over a month since Sarah's party, and the memory of the diary thief was hazy. On the other hand, it could be any of the teachers. They all used that faculty bathroom at one time or another. 
but what reason could a teacher possibly have to steal a student's diary? And anyway, didn't teachers wear dress shoes? The intruder wore black sneakers. Hello? Hearing aid much? Nix jerked from her internal debate and realized the wicked barracuda of the West was waiting for Dorothy's next line. Sorry. Nix pushed her hair back behind her ears. One side didn't take. Please don't hurt my slow toe. He's just an innocent snail. No, you skipped ahead. We're at, I'll hook you, my pretty. The boy playing the tin submarine sighed. You know, this would be a lot easier if Fawn had stayed. Nix nodded, embarrassed about forgetting her place. Maybe I can talk to her, see if she'll hang out a bit longer to help us amateurs? They began again, and Nix forced herself to concentrate. She would get Jordan's help later to organize the teachers and students into suspects. Amy's official babysitter, a cute senior girl from Columbia, picked Nix and Jordan up from practice. She introduced herself as Sunny, short for Sonrisa. Nix was glad Tiago had already gotten a ride home. She had enough competition without beautiful Spanish-speaking entrepreneurs sinking their claws into him. Before Nix arrived at the Cherries, she had decided to begin her own Spanish study in earnest. There was no reason she couldn't be fluent by the end of the school year. She'd just have to persuade Jordan to memorize the language first and quiz her constantly. He would have plenty of motivation to learn, if his frequent glances towards Sonrisa were any indication. Mr. Cherry met Nix on the front porch and waved at the departing vehicle. Your face is looking better. I was kind of done with the bandages. Nix didn't offer to pull her hair back and show him her deformed ear. He would see it soon enough, and Nix didn't feel like inviting his scrutiny, especially since he looked nervous, almost frightened. You okay? she asked. Andy's home from the hospital, he said almost apologetically. Nix tried to show with her eyes that this was good news. How's she feeling? Better. I just wanted to make sure you didn't feel unsafe, or... Nix put a hand on Mr. Cherry's shoulder and guided him inside. As long as she doesn't have an in-body roommate, everything will be wonderful. In addition to his wife, Mr. Cherry had brought home Kentucky Fried Chicken. Dinner was rather awkward, since Mrs. Cherry had already turned in for the night, and Fawn was spending the weekend at a friend's house, which was apparently bending the foster kid rules, but Nix didn't plan on tattling to Vivek. Nix would take long, awkward silences over sisterly bonding any day. Mr. Cherry wasn't sure whether his wife would be up for a demon meeting with the Padillas in the morning, but he promised to discuss it with her. Nix had just finished the dinner dishes when Ingrid Fincher from the Philadelphia Inquirer stopped by to talk about Fawn. Mr. Cherry had the nerve to invite her in. Inky, as she introduced herself, wore an outrageous rainbow weave that probably would have made Heidi jealous. I'm sure you've noticed my piece was picked up by the National Stations. Mr. Cherry appeared confused. Nix was having a difficult time understanding the woman's thick French accent. Our readers were intrigued by Fawn, the clear focal point of the haunting. Victim of a prank gone awry. Nix grinned to herself. Prank had gone pretty well, actually. We didn't print our name, of course, Inky said. The other media outlets have been referring to her as the tragically beautiful ghost girl. She beamed as if she'd come up with that name herself. Wait, what? Fawn, the ghost girl? More like tragically shallow. Inky watched Mr. Cherry as if to gauge his expression. She's becoming something of a local hero. Unflipping believable. That's nice, I guess, Mr. Cherry said. As I said, she's away at the moment. Inky waved away an imaginary fly and pulled a laptop out of her briefcase. That's actually better. I'd like to get some character references. Nothing specific, like she's the head cheerleader. 
We don't want to cause any issues with... Well, you get the idea. Character references? Nix asked. You mean how she acts when she's not running for her life? Inky typed a little, then paused and looked expectantly at Mr. Cherry. He cleared his throat and rubbed the back of his neck. She's actually been kind of a difficult foster child. Inky's eyebrows floated toward her multicolored scalp. She clicked away on her keyboard as if she'd just been given the scoop of a lifetime. Difficult owl. Nix had no great love for Fawn, but it seemed pretty messed up to have her foster father talking smack about her. Mr. Cherry looked toward the sliding back door, clearly checking for Fawn's truck. She's really a very selfish girl. Disrespectful as well. Last month, we were in a bind with appointment schedules, and she refused to let me borrow her personal vehicle. Inky's fingers picked up speed. She appeared happy enough, considering Fawn's character reference didn't jive with the innocent victim role. Then again, Jerry Springer didn't get ratings for being predictable. This is good, Inky said. On the night is the one thing. Was Fawn out past curfew, or into something she shouldn't be? Mr. Cherry sighed. We stopped trying to enforce house rules forever ago. My wife got sick of- She's a really pretty singing voice! Nix hadn't planned to interrupt, but something about Fawn unable to defend herself from two grown adults seemed a little much. She got the lead in her school musical. Inky acknowledged Nix for the first time. I can't really use that. Too specific. It could put her safety at risk. She's my math tutor. Mr. Cherry looked sideways at Nix. Really? Inky looked a little bored with the change of topic. Patrick, do you think her erratic behavior at the Ainsworth could have been... Someone tricked her, Nick said. Fawn thought she was there to play a prank on Sarah, but ended up being the one humiliated. The adults stared at Nix. And thou, do you know all these? Inky asked. I was there, and the guy that orchestrated the whole thing is over 18, so you can use his full name. Inky all but drooled. Let's hear what you've got on him. Nix told the reporter everything she knew about Brian's various lies, as well as the forged note which Nix had memorized thanks to many hours of rereading. It wasn't actually difficult to cast Fawn as the innocent victim in all of it. If you took away the nasty glares and snobby comments, she was just a 17-year-old girl desperately seeking the approval of her peers. Nix detailed the original plan to scare Fawn and how it fell to pieces when the haunting started. I had no idea you were up there for that, Mr. Cherry said. Nick shrugged. Hard to get in a word edgewise with Fawn around. Nix regretted it as soon as it came out. She cringed and waited for them to go off again on Fawn's weakness, but they seemed to have forgotten about their Fawn the delinquent angle. The sadistic, manipulative nurse angle was apparently going to sell more papers. Nix hoped her friends weren't too angry at Nix for spilling their secrets. Maybe they'd just be glad to see Brian exposed. Jordan didn't answer his phone that night. Nix went to bed wondering what was going on at the police station. Had they received the notepad? Were they getting ready to make the drop on Ms. Winkle's beaters? Nix hoped Jordan had told his dad about the footprint. Maybe that would convince the police to take Sarah's safety a little more seriously. And she really hoped he didn't forget their morning meeting at Woods Cross Public Library. She didn't want to face all those adults on her own. Nix also tried her own home number, but no one picked up. Without an answering machine, the trailer phone rang endlessly. Nix let it go long enough that if her mother had been in the trailer, she would have destroyed the phone several times over. When Nix entered the kitchen for breakfast Saturday morning, Mrs. Cherry was already dressed and sipping some sort of protein smoothie. I'm sorry, did the blender wake you? The poor woman looked so guilty, not to mention battered. Nix couldn't keep from walking right up and embracing her. 
Mrs. Cherry snuffled into Mix's shoulder. I'm so sorry for... Nope. The only person I want to hear an apology from is Lamia. I have a feeling you'd like to be there for that as well. The hug ended. Nix realized she hadn't felt self-conscious about her fat being handled. Probably had something to do with the demon possession bond they shared. To Nix's surprise, Mrs. Cherry was anxious to attend the meeting with the Padillas, but rather than catching a ride with the Cherries later, Nix set out early to walk to the library. No sense getting into a vehicle if it wasn't absolutely necessary. She made a detour through the trailer park. Not only was Mrs. Wack not home, the front door had a lockbox on it. What was going on? Nix would have to make a trip up to the graveyard, see if Mrs. Zerby knew where Mrs. Wack was living these days. Nix kept her eyes open for little gray kittens as well. She really hoped Toad was safe, and that he hadn't suffered the same fate as the rest of the feline victims. Stupid town. How could anybody be so ready to kill a bunch of defenseless creatures? Then again, fear made people crazy, a fact she'd often used to her benefit as a ghost. The town library was actually smaller than the one at the high school. Probably because it's easier to raise school taxes than library. Nix had barely set foot in the parking lot when Mrs. Padilla stuck her head out of Leo's car and waved her over. Is Mr. Padilla inside already? Nix asked. She tried not to stare at Mrs. Padilla's wig. It looked enough like her original hair that strangers probably wouldn't notice. He's not here, Mrs. Padilla said, and I just came to tell you. Aren't you coming in? I thought you wanted to. My husband got a call this morning, that man he had spoken to, for permission to cast out spirits. Okay, where was she going with this? Alejandro updated him on the situation. We were told he asked us to keep our distance from you. What? Are you serious? Nix wasn't going to pretend to be okay with that. It felt like a lawnmower to the gut. Hey! Jordan waved from across the parking lot where he'd chained up his bike. It would only take him a few seconds to reach them. You know I'm not dangerous, Nick said softly, as if Jordan could have overheard from fifty yards away. Phoenix, in a way, I'm very sorry. I know you're a good girl, but this is too much. Sometimes it's best to stay as far from Satan as... I didn't mean, of course, that you're... Who is this holy leader guy? I want to meet him. Dear, I'm afraid the decision has been made. Please don't take it personally. We know it's not your fault. So your church teaches to avoid those that need your help? Mrs. Pidia pulled at her seatbelt. Phoenix, you're safe. Just stay inside yourself. You'll be fine. I really have to go. She started the engine. Nope. Nix motioned for Jordan to move quicker. He jogged over to them before Mrs. Padilla could pull away. Jordan, Nick said. Mrs. Padilla was just saying she needed to make this meeting quick. Jordan wrinkled a lip. She wants to have it out here? Let's go inside, Nick said to Tiago's mother. With her eyes, Nick said, Please don't embarrass me in front of my best friend. Jordan looked from Mrs. Padilla to Nick's, clearly aware he was missing something. Phoenix, I'm sorry, I- Three minutes, Nick said in a low voice. Come in for three minutes, then I swear I'll never bother you again. That's not the point, Mrs. Cherry said. No matter how many people are guarding your body, or how many code words you have, Lamia will take you. She's had thousands of years of practice, and Woods Cross is her new playground. Jordan sighed theatrically. Nix rubbed her eyes. The good news was that Mrs. Padilla had not left after three minutes. The bad was that she and the Cherries had taken sides against Nix and Jordan. The adults were convinced the only way forward was to run away screaming. If she does happen to take over Nix's body, Jordan said, Mr. P can just perform another exorcism. Nix looked at Mrs. Padilla, 
who glanced down rather than make eye contact. Fine, if Monica wasn't going to explain the situation. The Padilla's state president says they aren't allowed to be around me. Jordan's eyes bulged and he swore, badly. I think that's a wise decision, Mrs. Cherry said. The fewer people Lamia has access to, the better. Nixie's not Lamia, Jordan all but shouted. Nix glanced out the large window into the main library. No one was peeking in at them yet. Jordan didn't bother to lower his voice. How do you know what Lamia will do? You two discuss her evil plans or something? Mr. Cherry frowned and started to say something, but his wife cut him off. I was a prisoner in my own mind for over a decade. Sometimes I grew so weak I nearly ceased to exist altogether. I knew her thoughts like they were my own, although she did manage to keep a few secrets from me. Then tell us how to fight her, Jordan said. Demons can't be that hard to kill. Otherwise they'd be taking people over left and right. Mrs. Cherry gave him a pained look. Nix nearly choked. It was already happening? Well, that kind of made sense. Anyone who watched Unsolved Mysteries knew people were sick and twisted. Why couldn't a demon be the one doing the twisting? Mr. Cherry scratched his wrist. Andy and I are moving to Italy next weekend. A series of emotions washed over Nick's shock and dismay, quickly followed by a burst of joy. She'd finally be free of Fawn. Mr. Cherry looked straight ahead, very clearly trying to avoid Nick's eyes. Fawn and Nix will be placed in a group home in Delbert County until more permanent arrangements can be made. Running away, Jordan said with a sneer. Afraid Lamia will take you over next? Mrs. Cherry didn't seem to realize it was a rhetorical question. A malevolent female spirit can't enter a male host while it's still occupied. Jordan chuckled darkly. So she'll have to kill us first? That's comforting. Any other tidbits of demonology you'd like to impart before you abandon Nyx to your satanic leftovers? Once again, Mrs. Cherry took the request seriously. Maybe a decade of having someone else make her decisions had eroded her social aptitude. Same goes with male spirits. The one exception is if they work together. Although there must be an element of permission given by the host, a group of strong male spirits could overpower and enter a living female host if given enough time. Nix looked around for something to take notes on, then remembered Jordan would have the entire conversation memorized. So we have to give the spirits permission to enter us? It's more subtle than that, Mrs. Cherry said. At the start, they like to follow mortals around and prod them toward mischief. Jordan nodded. Then mischief turns into evil and the demon gets a house key, right? He glanced at Mr. Cherry. Why weren't you possessed? Seems like you'd been doing Lamia's dirty work right along with your wife. Mrs. Cherry put a hand on her husband's arm. Lamia kept her true nature from Patrick. His heart was too good to be seduced outright. Jordan half rolled his eyes. I often related hidden knowledge to him, Mrs. Cherry continued, so we could pay our bills. Occasionally, other spirits would speak to him as well, such as the night Obelus tried to bond himself to Nix. Yeah, that had been quite a night. About that, Nix said. What was he trying to say about my father? Obelus showed me a vision. Mr. Cherry said with a grave expression, of a man whom I understood to be your father. You received your ability to leave your body from him. Uh, seriously? That seemed totally ludicrous. I suppose I'll have to have a little chat with him when he gets back from his extended hunting vacation. Mr. Cherry tilted his head, as if something didn't quite make sense. He won't be coming back. Your father is dead, Nix. Obelis killed him. Mrs. Padilla made a sound like a newborn kitten getting stepped on. 
Jordan glanced at Nix as if to gauge her reaction. When she didn't break down in tears, he said, Oh, Bellas sounds more like a court jester's name. Was he trying to lighten the mood or just tick off the demon already intent on destroying her life? Mrs. Cherry narrowed her eyes at Jordan. It's the name the Greeks gave to Lamia's father. Obelus guided me to this area specifically to look for Nyx, although he didn't know her name or what she looked like at the time. I believe Obelus has terrible plans for her, and for this town. Nyx swallowed. The cherries had to be making this up. Mac Whack, an astral traveler? Had he really been killed by a demon? Why would Obelus take him out? It wasn't like he was doing some great holy work, was he? And the biggest question, what would a Greek god want with Wood's Cross, or with Nyx, so she could leave her body? How would that help the satanic hordes? Seemed like the demons had plenty of humans willing to surrender to them. How did Obelus even know Nyx existed? It seemed unlikely that he would send the cherries into town to become foster parents. Why not get a job at the school where they could spy on the kids? Yet, Nyx couldn't deny that something out there wanted to get its claws into her. She hadn't imagined the veins twisting in her hands. Weren't there three demons who wanted to bond with me that night? What does that even mean? Mrs. Cherry pursed her lips and nodded sadly. Three is a powerful number in life and death. The third spirit was Achilles, Mrs. Pidia stood. I really don't feel comfortable with this. She stirred to the exit, but paused in the doorway. Nix, we've asked Tiago not to speak to you. Please don't make it harder on him than it has to be. And I really am sorry. The click of the door closing echoed off the walls like a cannon blast. Nix's complex emotions fell away, leaving only a blank state of numbness. She couldn't bring herself to care that her favorite family in the world had just disowned her, because if she did, she wouldn't be able to function. She would be a blubbering, screeching mess of tears. At least with this endless emptiness, she could sort of pretend everything was normal. Jordan shrugged. Not like she was much help to us anyway. He moved a chair closer to Mrs. Cherry. So who is this Ahilas character that's on Lamia Bella's team? Mr. Cherry whispered something to his wife, who put a placating hand and shook her head. Achilles is the names the Greeks gave him. You know him as Achilles. Jordan laughed. Then his smile disappeared when he realized it wasn't a joke. Achilles wasn't even a real person. Achilles of Thea was a mortal man whose attractiveness more than anything contributed to him being chronically confused with Achilles, the actual Greek god. Right, Jordan said in a derisive tone. So it was a god who destroyed Troy, and now he's come back to take over my best friend's body. Mrs. Cherry looked at Jordan for a long moment before responding. The being that is hunting Nyx has a thousand names. Achilles is the one he prefers. At least that's what his mother calls him. Let me guess, Jordan said. His mother is Lamia. Yes, although mother is a very subjective term. Over eons, the spirits have naturally developed hierarchies and connections that mirror those of the mortal realm. Naturally. Nick's mouth to Jordan, I want to go home. He nodded. Mrs. Cherry left her chair and knelt in front of Nick's. It would mean breaking the law and probably changing your name. But we can take you with us to Rome. I always sensed fear when Lamia thought of the Vatican. I believe we can all be safe there. You don't have to decide now. Let us know by tomorrow. We'll need time to get you a fake passport. Nix blinked. Mrs. Cherry smiled. The nice thing about being possessed for so long, I made quite a few criminal connections. 
After the cherries left, Nix and Jordan expressed their mutual disappointment at how the meeting had gone. They also briefly discussed Eric and the stolen notebook. According to Jordan, the police had pathetic organizational skills and still hadn't made their move to bust the one-man drug ring. After a few minutes of bad talking to police chief, Jordan pulled out a U.S. government book. Give me some time to write a couple essays. I need to have something to show my dad when he asks. Then we can walk home together. Nix wandered around the library. She ended up by the raw doll shelf, where she thumbed through a copy of The Witches. It had been a few years since she'd read that one, but with her recent life experience as context, her memories of the book were terrifying. Women secretly bald and evil, hunting children. She tried to remember how the witches were defeated in the book, but it had been too long. She took the book to the circulation desk and opened a new account as Ivory Whack since her original library card still had $80 in fines due to cat damage. On her way to collect Jordan, Nick spotted Polly Parker in the conference room next door. Nick knocked on the window and waved. Polly looked up, startled, then immediately went back to her homework. Was she doing someone else's homework or something? Or maybe Polly had just heard about Nick's threatening the girl's BFF, the vice principal. Nick thought about going in to say hi, but Jordan emerged from the other conference room, ready to go. Sorry about the Padillas, Jordan said on the walk back. He and Nix both held one side of the handlebars as they walked, like parents with a toddler, since it was easier than one person tripping over the pedals the whole way. You think Tiago will really ignore me? Nix asked. She still felt strangely detached from her emotions. I was thinking, what if Lamia has already gotten back inside Monica? It doesn't make sense that they'd be excited about the meeting and then totally change their minds and start being jerks to you. Nix chewed her lip. They're just scared. If I had a family like that, I'd want to protect them too. You do. Do what? Never mind. The Padillas aren't prepared for a battle with demonic forces, Nick said. I think religious people are even more scared of evil spirits than us regular heathen folk. They're being ridiculous. Jordan eyed his favorite P-log, but Nick shook her head. Don't even think about it. My Aunt Minions have family in there. As soon as she said it, she registered a nearly imperceptible pull in that direction. A few of the ants she had dropped between there and the cherries must have found their way back to their colony. She'd have to catch the two still running around the house and return them as well. Are you going to move to Italy then? Nick sighed. Not a huge fan of the cherries at the moment. They walked by the trailer park, mostly out of habit. It was a little out of the way, but the path was full of pleasant memories. Someone just came out of your trailer, Jordan said, squinting against the glare of the sun. And unless she's lost a hundred pounds in the last week. It wasn't your mother. Mm -hmm.